I'm excited. Uh, here's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, I'm excited to get to be back up here with you. Um, I'm going to get to preach the next couple of weeks, and that's, uh, that's exciting. It's a, it's a big task. Tonight, what we're doing is we're going we're gonna to take a huge bite out of Luke. Uh, if you're new with us um, or you've just been coming the last couple of weeks, our goal is just to walk through the Gospel of Luke um, this semester, and it'll go into next year. It'll wrap up actually close to Easter time. Um, because we just want to walk through it systematically and see what God has for us in, in the book of the Bible. So that's kind of why we're intentionally not just jumping around to like little mini-series, like let's do a series on, you know, puberty, and let's do a series on like dating. We just, we want to, we want to focus on, man, what does the Word of God say? And let's dig into that. I don't know if we would actually do, that was one of the suggestions Tyler had, and I thought it was a bad idea. Um, but... Um, but yeah, we just want to see what his word says. So today we're taking a big bite. Uh, it's going to be 34 verses, so it's a huge chunk. And we're just going to walk through these four stories that Luke tells about Jesus as we get a picture of who uh, Jesus is. And, and this series is all about Jesus and his mission. And that's what the, the gospel of Luke is all about. And uh, so that's what we're doing. And then next week is fun because I just get to preach nine verses. So I'm really excited about next verse. And so we're just going to see what, um, what, what he has for us. And we're going to beg, beg for him to do what... He wants to do in our lives. Um, here's the thing that I'm obviously um, just so aware of whenever I get up here um, to do what I get to do for the next 30 minutes, and that is how remarkably inadequate, uh, humanly inadequate I am to get to do this and to get to preach the Word of God to you guys in a way that is transformative. That is only a work of the Holy Spirit, and I, I really am standing before you guys uh, inadequate to do that. So, um, Austin's prayer was great, but I'm going to pray again because I need it. So uh, pray with me. <clears throat> Father, we love you. Um, God, we, um, we want to be people who just worship you. Um, we want to be people who um, don't settle for uh, what the world has to offer, um, that we would see that for what it is. Um, we want to be people who... Don't settle for just the church game and showing up and doing, doing the religious thing and getting our card punched and, um, and moving on, Lord. We want to be people transformed by you, being renovated by you, your Holy Spirit at work in us. God, make us worshipers. Make us people who when we say, oh Lord, oh Lord, we mean it, that you are the Lord and you are the master of our life. God, would you speak um, through me, this broken vessel up here uh, this evening, and through your word, God, it is so powerful and it has so many promises and so many assurances, and we can take such confidence in this. And so, Lord, um, do mighty things tonight for your glory and that people will walk out of here and go to bed thinking of you and how great, uh, how great Jesus is, Lord. Uh, we know that um, your Holy Spirit is all about making Jesus look good, so make him look so good tonight and remove everything else that's in the way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 8. Not going to give any funny stories, guys. No hooks, man. We ain't got time for that stuff. Um, we got the Word of God to preach. So uh, Luke 8. Man, if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat uh, in front of you or, or under, under there somewhere. And Luke is um, kind of towards the back. In fact, if you get there, somebody shout out what page number we're in, Luke 8. What is it? 865. So page 865, if you're new with us and you want to find Luke chapter 8 pretty easily, we're going to pick up in verse 22, and we're going to read 22 through, uh, through the rest of the chapter um, and move pretty quickly. So here's, here's how it's going to look, man. I'm just going to read the Word of God. It's powerful. We're going to unpack it and talk about what that means for us and how we apply that to our life. So uh, chapter 8, verse 22, 
uh, goes like this. <clears throat> it's also on the screens if you want to follow along. One day he got into a boat, talking about Jesus, with his disciples. And he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who is this that he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him? Stop right there. What is Luke in this section of Scripture telling us about Jesus? Man, as we become people who uh, are following this God and listening to his word and being people who apply it to our lives, we've got to read the text and say, man, what is the author trying to tell us about who Jesus is here? And, and it's real clear. He's telling us that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord. And I want to be more specific um, with what he is Lord over in this context. But before I do so, I want to kind of define that word because I think the word Lord has lost a lot of its connotation in this context. Um, in our context today, we don't walk around using the word Lord. The only reason I use the word Lord is in a Christian conversation or when I'm singing a song and it's in the Christian church. Right? It's not a term that we really use in other places. And when things lose their context... Uh, they kind of lose their meaning. So like, for example, I thought of this one earlier. Uh, if I say somebody has Cali swag, right? Yeah, okay, that person has it, right? <clears throat> you could tell by the way they said yeah that they have Cali swag. Because it wasn't just yeah, it was yeah. Um, if I say somebody has Cali swag, right, you're all like, okay, maybe some of you are like, I don't know what that looks like. Well, it looks kind of like a homeless person, but a little bit more put together. Um, <laughs> It looks like a homeless person with, like, better hair product is, going, is what's going on. Um, <clears throat> however, right, however, if uh, everyone knows that in about 10 years, California is going to fall into the ocean, and then at that point, right, in future generations, when they say Cali swag, they, that will have lost its meaning, right, because it will just be Utah will be the western part of the country. And so you'll just picture Mormons, and you'll be like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> People riding bikes and wearing ties, what's that mean? Um, <clears throat> so, no, uh, so, so in its context, right, to understand the context of the word Lord, we've got to understand that this was a culture, right? 2,000 years ago, this was a culture where they served their lords. I mean, their lords were their masters, right? We can, we can define Lord um, as, as an authority, as a, as a power, as a master, as a ruler. And so when we sing the song, you are our Lord, when we're singing lyrics like, you are our Lord, and what we're saying is that Jesus is the master of our life. He is the ruler. He is the one we submit and surrender and bow. And, and I think here in America, we kind of lose that context of what it really looks like to deny ourselves and lay down our lives and be this slave for righteousness, this slave unto Christ that we're called to be and the freedom that's in that. Because that's not really the American way. And we don't come from a culture where that, those words really mean as much. So for this sermon for this chunk of scripture we've got to wrap our minds around a deeper definition of the word lord and not just let that slip through our mind as another church word you showed up to church and we talked about jesus being lord what does that mean in your life and that's where we're going and we're gonna we're gonna unpack that even more but here in this story it's real obvious jesus is lord over creation and nature jesus is the lord he is the master he is the authority over creation and nature 
And, and I mean, this is incredible, right? This whole scenario is insane. They're in this boat, and the waves are rocking. And these are fishermen, right? These aren't like, like, it would be one thing if it was me, and I'm like from landlocked Texas, and I don't live and grow up in a boat. These are men who are professional boat dwellers, right? They spent their lives in boats, right? And they fished, and they did, and they are freaking out of their mind. I mean, they are just, they're going, they think it's over. This is it. We're, we're doomed. They don't wake up Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, could you help us bail water? Hey, Jesus, you got any suggestions? They say, hey, Jesus, we just wanted to let you know, we know you're the son of God, but you're about to die, right? Hey, Jesus, this is over. We're, we are perishing. And then Jesus wakes up from his nap, which Let's just be honest, the exhaustion level of Jesus Christ to be able to sleep through this has got to be pretty remarkable. Wakes up in the middle of the storm and just tells the storm quiet. Just silences the storm. And the wind and the waves and the water obey him. And I can just picture him going back to sleep. Saying, where is your faith, guys? And then going back to sleep. How epic if you're in that boat. Right? Like, how epic is that for all of these guys who are now freaking out? I remember uh, Ryan McCarthy, who's a pastor here, shared this story, and it connects a little bit more to us, the idea of being on a plane, right? Because we can all picture being on a plane, and the plane's going down, and the oxygen masks, and I mean, and we're just rocking like crazy, and there's cracks on the side of the plane, and, and the, the pilot's just saying, you know, goodbye, no regrets. He gets on the intercom and says, no regrets. And he's, you know, it's out of control. And then you got, you know, this guy sitting next to you who's sleeping through it and he's got the eye mask and you're nudging him. And you're like, do you need to call anyone, man? And he takes off his mask. He's like, you have little faith, quiet storm. And all of a sudden everything leveled out. Could you imagine that? Not only the power of that, but what happens to those disciples, right? They are afraid and marvel. Man, and if I'm sitting next to that guy, I was freaking out about the storm, right? I'm freaking out about this crazy tornado we're flying through but now i'm realizing who am i sitting next to who is this guy who the wind and the waves and the very nature with his voice controls it is lord over creation honestly if i'm being honest how horrifying is that how much maybe more awesome and i mean that in in every sense of the word awe inspiring awesome fearful is it to now realize who am I in this boat with? Who am I on this plane with? Who is this Lord of creation? Um, that's, that's heavy stuff. Okay, next story. We're just going to keep walking through these four stories, and then we're going to circle back around and, and figure out, okay, well, how does this apply to us? He's Lord of nature and creation. L- look what else. Verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had, for he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Stop. Don't you hate that, right? When you show up to a new place and a naked, crazy guy comes up to you, right? Don't you just hate, like, all right, I'm in Toronto. Whoa! 
There's a naked, insane man who just approaches him, right? So Jesus gets to the shore, gets out, and a naked, crazy guy who lives in a graveyard runs up to him. And the naked, crazy guy is saying, what do you have? What are you doing here? What will you have to do with me, son of the Most High God? Recognizing this man possessed by demons, recognizing the authority of Jesus. Verse 30, Jesus then asked him, what is your name? This is, this is crazy. And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And they, and they, the demons, they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Underline that. Underline that in your brain. So he gave the demons permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Our God, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the Bible we read and stand on, this Jesus is Lord over the spiritual realm. Man, we see this interaction between Jesus and demons, and it um, and there's so many movies today about exorcism and like demonic stuff, and I feel like it's kind of this good versus evil, kind of this yin and yang. And I think a lot of our, our theologies end up, um, end up in this idea that, man, there's, you know, Satan and Jesus are battling, and we all know eventually Jesus is going like, to get the final blow, or we believe that, but it's kind of this struggle. This doesn't look like a struggle to me. This looks like the, the evil of the world coming and bowing before our Jesus. And saying, oh my gosh, please, you have authority even over me. Would, would you please not send us into the abyss? Whatever that even means in the spiritual realm, please don't do that. And then Jesus gives the demons permission to go into those pigs over there and, and run off a cliff. Our Jesus is Lord over the spiritual realm. Man, that, that should jack with our theology a little bit. Um, I, I think so often. I, I think the idea of Jesus being Lord, and this is a rabbit trail that we don't have time to get into tonight. Um, but man, the idea of Jesus being Lord of creation and nature, the idea of Jesus being Lord over even the spiritual realm and having such authority there, um, man, I, I, I've heard people talk about um, you know, natural disasters, right? Well, man, that was out of God's hand. Man, the God I read about in the Bible I don't know why those things happen. I'm not, this isn't about me predicting why or what or certainly making ignorant claims that I feel like uh, conservative Christians love to throw out and, and suggest maybe why a natural disaster happens somewhere in the world. Um, but I think this should push against our theology. I think we should be believers who when we read things like this, a question, wow, okay, maybe this isn't such a yin and yin. Maybe God is actually in control. Maybe when we ask the question, oh, well, why do good things happen? Well, it's just this good and bad, the struggle. Maybe our God is bigger than we give him credit for. Um, I would love for us to be a community, uh, not during this sermon, but for us to be a community who walks out hard questions like that. I think one of the things that turn people off from church, um, certainly did me for season, a season of my life, is the idea that it seems like maybe we're, we're afraid to ask hard questions. Uh, we're afraid to look at hard questions about you know, why bad things happen and, and demonic things and natural disasters and what we do with that. Um, this is a total rabbit trail. I'd love for you to be a part of this community as we talk about that stuff. Get plugged into a small group. Um, this is a shameless plug, but um, a friend of mine who's in here, Adam, does a podcast uh, every week where it's a review of what happens in Renovate. Um, and if you go on our page and, and like our page, 
you can kind of, he every week just says, hey man, you touched on something? I want to go on that rabbit trail and talk about those kind of things. Um, let's be believers who ask hard questions. And when we look at theology, say, hey, let's look at this for what it is. What does this mean? He's, he controls demons? He, he's over that? What, where, what do we do with that? He's over nature? Well, then why did Katrina happen? And what, let's ask hard questions because we're unafraid. Because our God is true and real and I know him. And let's ask hard questions. Good rabbit trail. You guys still with me? Okay, good. I'll take your silence as a resounding yes. Um, I'll take your silence and slow head nodding to, to be a yes. All right. Uh, look at the reaction. This is so good. Look, look at the reaction in verse 34. When the, herd, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, right, so these guys who just lost their pigs, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, so that's good, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid, it says in verse 35. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him, Jesus, to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got in the boat and returned. Look at this reaction. Jesus shows up on the shore, heals this man of demons. This man is restored. He's, they come and they see what's going on and rumors spread. And this Jesus guy, he, he healed old naked Scotty, right? Naked Scotty's back to normal. Yay, awesome. Great. Oh, the guy lives in the graveyard? Yeah, that guy. Oh, wow. I got to see this to believe it. They show up. Jesus, this man healed. I don't know if his name was Scotty. This man healed. And what's their reaction? scared. What power is this? This Jesus who is Lord of even that? And they ask him to leave. Man, that's interesting. We're going to circle back around to that. Um, we're, going to, we're going to end on this idea of our reaction to this, but uh, I, I want there to be a, a pregnant pause here. This shouldn't make sense to us. We shouldn't be okay with this. We should hear this story and think, man, Jesus just healed a guy. And the villagers show up and say, ooh, yeah, we need you to not be here. Look, however, at the man's reaction. Verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. Jesus, let me be with you. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done. Now, Jesus is Lord over the spiritual realm. And, and these reactions are so profound, right? We're going to circle back around to how the crowd reacted. But don't miss this guy's request and then Jesus' answer. This guy who's been healed, he's been a slave to demonic possession for who knows how long. Robbed him of his life. He gets healed. And what's his reaction? It's, Jesus, let me follow you. Let me be with you. Let me get back in the boat with you. Let me be one of your guys. And look at Jesus' reaction. He says, no, return to your home and declare how much God has done. Man, um, I'm not the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that. Um, but I think there are people in this room who need to hear this. There's so much truth in each one of these stories. But I think there's people in this room who need to hear this. That maybe God um, is actually asking you to do the harder thing by staying where you're at. Maybe he's asking you to do the harder thing by staying where you're at and being different, being changed, being set apart, but where you are. 
Uh, I think for me, man, my story is I just, I wanted to go on adventure left and right, man. After I graduated high school, I moved to Russia, and then I wanted to do this, I did that, and I traveled a lot. And, and one of the big things that I realized was a lot of that was God's leading, but a lot of it was my desire to go and, and be on this adventure and go and proclaim. And there are seasons in my life where God said, no, I want you here. I want you here where it's, it's not sexy and it's not fun and it's not easy. This is where I want you. I think there's relationships, maybe, uh, maybe workplaces, maybe it's family, maybe it's towns where God's saying, hey, Maybe this isn't a season where I want you to go on an adventure for me. I want you to stay here, and I want you to be set apart. And I want you to be different. And how much harder is that? How much harder it would have been for this guy to go around to all these people who he'd probably hurt. I mean, he was, he was, they would shackle him and bind him. They wouldn't have done that if he wasn't a, a major threat. These people who he had hurt and seek restoration and proclaim how good God is and show off his new identity. Um, let the Holy Spirit do with that what it wants to do uh, in your life tonight. But I just think sometimes doing the harder thing is actually not going on the adventure. Okay, verse 40. This is my favorite. I don't think I'm actually allowed to have a favorite of these four stories, but don't tell anyone. This is my favorite. Verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, so he comes back across the lake. When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. Man, here he's a celebrity. Over there, they're like, please leave. Here he's a celebrity. For they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he, had only, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living, all of her money on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him. And touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, uh, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Man, this is beautiful. You guys, you guys see in this picture, he shows back up. Everyone wants a piece of Jesus. I mean, he's in this mob of people. And there's a man who says, I got a 12 year old daughter who's dying. Please, please, please help me save her. She is dying. And so he says, let's go. And so, and there's people everywhere. I mean, bumpy. It's a mob. It is a mob. And somewhere in this mob, somewhere in this mob, a woman reaches out and just thinks, man, if I can just, if I could just touch Jesus, I don't need to stop. If I could just touch this Jesus of Nazareth, I believe I'll be healed. And she's a woman who had been suffering from this condition for her life. And nothing. She'd spent everything she had to stop this, and she couldn't stop it. If I could just touch Jesus. And she reaches out, and she touches the hem of his garment, it says. And she's healed. And then the crazy thing is Jesus, who's getting mobbed by everyone, and people bumping into him, and he's, I mean, he's just, he's in a mob. He stops and says, somebody touched me. And if I'm Peter, right, like, if I'm Peter, I'm like, okay, I know this guy is a big deal because I just saw him stop a storm and heal a demon-possessed guy, and he's the real deal, but what are you talking about? 
everyone is touching you, Jesus. Right? That's what he says. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Literally, everybody. Like, there's hundreds of people who are all touching you. No, 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 no. I felt someone touch me. I felt power. I I felt my healing power enter into somebody else. Who is this Jesus? That's that should amaze us that our that our Jesus of Scripture has that uh, sensitivity. You don't make that stuff up, right? Whenever um, whenever you're fake writing a gospel, right? Whenever you're like spending time being like, I'm going to write a fake letter about Jesus. You don't make this kind of stuff up. A Jesus that makes him look crazy. Yet he has a sensitivity to know that, to know this woman, to know what her hurt was, and to know what his healing power does. Man, he is the Lord over illness. He is the Lord over our health. He is the Lord over our physical being. He is master. He has authority over those things. Just another observation, too. Look at how he does this. Look at how he does this. Um, This is the power of God who took the form of a man and walked among us. and, And yet, look how he does it. When he gets touched, he stops, right? He's showing her he is Lord. He wants her to notice Hey, this is about me. This isn't a superstitious cloth that you touch. This is about me being Lord. He stops. He is the Lord over the chaos and frenziness that is around him. And here there's a man whose daughter is dying and they're on their way and they're in a hurry and they got to go and they got to do and they got to go and, and Jesus stops. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of frenzy, he's unfazed and is still. And there's chaos around, and there's chaos, and this girl's dying, and the clock is ticking, and the dad's like, let's go, and Peter's like, everyone's touching you, and he stops, and he is still, and he is unfazed by the chaos. I, I want to read this story. I want you to hear this story from the Word of God and be in awe of how powerful our God, how powerful Jesus Christ is. He has authority over that. He's unfazed by everything. He senses this woman, but the chaos, the urgency, the franticness, the freneticness of life and the things he must go do, he stops and is still. Gosh, I want, I want us to hear that in our life. And then he looks at this woman and she's no longer hidden. She comes out trembling, it says. Here's this idea of fear again, this awesome fear. And she falls down before him and declares in the presence of all the people why she touched him. And then what's he say? He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And then he tells her, he gives her this command. He says, go in peace. Go in peace. Our Jesus is Lord over peace. I need that. We need that as a culture. This Jesus who is Lord over peace and can call peace into chaos. He has the power to give this woman peace. Okay, so what happened to this guy's daughter? Fourth story, and then we're going to we're going we're gonna to see where we fit in this. <clears throat> Verse 49, last, uh, last little chunk. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing his answer, said, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John, and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called 
saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that someone should be, something should be given for her to eat, and her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Our Jesus is Lord over very creation. Our Jesus is the Lord over the spiritual realm. Our Jesus is Lord over health and illness. He is the Lord over chaos. Our Jesus is the Lord over death itself. That is who our Jesus Christ, that is what this gospel proclaims Jesus is. And here is why, um, here's where I want to land this plane tonight. Here's why 34 verses in Luke and four stories of Jesus' power, here's why that should change me tonight. Here's why those 34 verses should change us as a people tonight. Our Jesus, the same Jesus of Scripture, we believe is at the right hand of God right now. He is interceding for us. He has been given all power and authority. And the same Jesus of Scripture 2,000 years ago, this God who put on the form of a man and walked this earth, is now standing next to the Father, interceding, and will one day come and return and judge. And that Jesus, this Jesus, is the Jesus who has given me his righteousness. This Jesus, all-powerful, all-authoritative This Lord has given me his righteousness and taken on my sin. That's what I believe. And yet, the convicting thing about that is my faith doesn't look like that at times. That's why I can stand up here and preach in my Bible study. I know that's true. I know that's what I believe. And yet, so often in my life, that doesn't actually show up. And I think there's a lot of people in this room, a lot of you, my brothers and sisters, who nod your head and say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Yes, he has authority. He has authority over healing. He has authority over even death itself. He is Lord. He is Lord of my life. And yet we look at our life and we are not living that way. The fruit of my life doesn't actually bear that he is really Lord. I'm good at singing about it. I'm even good about preaching and talking and rambling about it. I know the right answer, but has it transformed my life? Uh, a pastor once said, the furthest distance in the world is from your head to your heart. And would we be able to look at these four stories from the Gospel of Luke and stare at Jesus in the face and recognize him for being Lord of our life and say, transform me. And would our life really be transformed? What, what does that look like? What does it look like to have that? Here's the contrast that we see in all four of these stories. We see two big things happening in each one, faith and fear. People walking in faith and people walking in fear. I am preaching to myself in a room full of people I know who are struggling with anxiety and discouragement at times and depression at times and the freneticness of life and the I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta get this, I gotta have this, I need this person, I need this Chaos is in our life, and there is anxiety attached to that, and there is fear that we are walking in. Some of us are better at masking it than others, but man, we, so, we walk in fear and insecurity, and we hide behind other things. Man, Jesus is offering freedom from that. Do we really believe it? The guy's in the boat, right? What, what's going on? It's circumstances. Their circumstances are causing a level of fear that is paralyzing to them. 
Are your circumstances in your life paralyzing you? Are your circumstances in your life saying abandon ship? Are the things around you robbing you of joy and life and freedom? Are you more driven when someone asks, how are you, by, man, the circumstances of my life are good, so I guess I'm good right now, but man, when they're bad, I'm, I'm sinking. Is he really Lord over our circumstances? How about the second story? Man, what is, what's the mistake they make? It's not, that they're putting, uh, it's not that they're afraid of circumstances. It's that they're afraid of God. They're afraid of a wrong view of God. What is your view of God tonight? Man, these guys, um, they're scared of this God because he has power and authority. Man, I know so many people who wrestle with the view that God is an angry ant crusher. God is an angry dad who's disappointed in you. God is an angry, angry God who's out there smushing ants and, and taking out his vengeance on us. And it scares us and it makes us pull away and say, okay, I don't... If that's, who, if that's who Jesus is, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be, I just, I'd just rather do my own thing and feel safe and not convicted and not, and I just, I want to do my own thing. He's Lord over that. Are we going to walk out on faith or are we going to walk out on fear? And then, um, man, how about, how about those people who are mourning the passing of the daughter? They're saying, man, Jesus, you're too late. They are fearful and they're saying, Jesus, you're too late. No, God, God, you missed it. I'm too far gone. Maybe is, is the tape in your head, the narrative in your head that plays is the enemy saying, man, you're too far gone. Oh, yeah, but you made that mistake and it's too far gone. Or maybe tragedy has hit your life. Maybe something has, has wrecked you and you think, no, man, this is, this is too big. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of bandaging that Jesus can do, but he can't restore this. He can't bring back to life what is dead. We're not believing. We're not believing that our Jesus really is Lord. He brings life to things that are dead. Man, if you're in this room and, um, and you are, uh, you're seeking, right? And you're hearing this and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know where I line up on this Jesus thing yet, but I'm intrigued or I'm interested or I got bribed into coming. I want you to know, I want you to hear, it's no accident you're here tonight. I believe, I truly believe it's no accident you're here tonight. And the Jesus Christ that we talk about in Scripture, we believe lays down his life for us and takes on all of our brokenness and all of our sin and then raises again and has defeated that. And now my life is putting my faith in him. I am saved by grace through faith, not through works, not through showing up at Renovate and church and doing the right thing, but I am saved by grace through my faith of walking that out. I might have the intellectual faith. We, I might be preaching to the choir of people who would all say, yeah, yeah, I know he is Lord, but are we actually taking those steps? And I think we have to look at our life and say, am I walking in fear? Am I walking in fear? What are the things that I don't trust God is big enough? What are the things that I don't trust God is kind enough? He's going to crush me. What are the areas that I think God doesn't have power over these circumstances? Is he enough? Is he over control in your life? Is he over control in my life? Now, I, there might be a frozen lake, and I might have every intellectual instinct that says, man, it is Wisconsin, and it is January, and this lake I should be able to walk across. And I have the belief that, yes, yes, this lake will hold me. But if I don't have the faith 
to take those steps and walk in that, then I'm not really believing. I'm saying, but I'm not doing. I think Jesus wants to free us from fear. I think fear is from the enemy that paralyzes. And at the same time, I think we should have this awesome, awesome fear of the Lord. And so I look at my circumstances and the storm behind me and around me, and that's scary. But how much more awesome and fear-worthy is this Jesus who says we are his if we put our faith in him? That's where my fear should be. That's the beginning of wisdom, to say this is Lord of all. I'm putting my chips on Jesus, and I'm going to trust and not fear the circumstances I can't change. I'm going to trust and not fear the areas of my life that I think are dead and beg, Lord, bring these back to life again. God, give me that, give me that purity, Lord. God, give me that peace. I don't know where you are at tonight. Um, I don't know what the enemy is, is trying to hit you with, but I hope you hear that you have a God who loves you uh, you have a God who uh, has called you to a great, great purpose. And that is to be a man or woman who brings him glory. And that is worth laying down our lives for. And that is worth following. Man, let me pray over you and then let's just respond and worship to that. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for how you love us. Um, thank you that you are Lord. Um, God, would we feel the weight of that sentence and would you change us, Lord? Would the belief that we have in you change us uh, as we're going to sing from, from the inside out, Lord, that this transformation would be something that um, starts from our, our faith, starts from inside of us and works our, its way out into obedience in our life. God, would we be like that woman, fearful, timid, whatever that looks like, but would we be like the woman who crawls to Jesus and believes if I could just touch him. And Lord, tonight as we continue in worship, as we uh, continue to raise our voices or sit and pray or whatever that looks like for us for the next 15 minutes, um, would, we be, uh, would we be genuine in how we approach you? And Lord, after this time of worship is done, Lord, would we uh, feel the freedom to do business with you, whatever that looks like? Stay in this room and pray. Find someone else to pray over us. Um, Lord, would you free us from the fear that shackles us and give us an awe and a reverence and a fear that is holy and righteous of you, our Savior, who through Christ, Father, we are allowed to call you Daddy. Lord, that is awesome. May we believe it and walk it out. In the name of Jesus, amen.